0: state your team your show this is sports nightly the triangle
1: formation of the near side jd's foot out left they look left back to throw is adrian he could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon he's to the five he lays out he's in that's a two-point play for nebraska and they tied this game in champagne at 35
0: apiece now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: Here we are, Thursday Night Sports Alley on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a great day today. You're getting close to another weekend, and a weekend minus Husker football. The Huskers will enjoy their second bye week. We're going to talk about the Huskers with Brian Christofferson. Huskers 24-7 coming up here in a little bit. Get his take on the first nine games of the season, and what's ahead in the next three. What to expect? What do we want to see? All those type of things with BC coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Second hour, it's Thursday night. It is our Nebraska football show. And what a treat we're going to have for you tonight. Zach Duvall, Nebraska's strength and conditioning coach, going to be here for an hour. Zach doesn't really do interviews, but has agreed to come in tonight and talk about Nebraska's strength and conditioning program, about uh, maybe he can give his thoughts about the new football facility, which is going to be going up, and what would he like to see as part of that. Uh, just kind of maybe some differences between guys' workouts during the season compared to the off season. We'll get into a lot of the nuts and bolts of that with Zach Duvall coming up in hour number two. Third hour of the show, Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune will stop by to see us and we'll also introduce you to one of our new sponsors here on the Oscar Sports Network, Vista Energy. They've got a season long promotion. Uh, that's coinciding with Husker basketball that we'll talk about with uh, those gentlemen coming up in hour number three. And as always, phone lines are available and open for you at 866-HUSKER-1, 866 Ben, last night we did hear from head coach Scott Frost. He met with the media after the Wednesday practice. Uh, today he was out recruiting. A lot of talk that he was hitting a couple of different high schools in the Omaha area. And uh, maybe getting over into uh, the Iowa side to see some high schools as well. But he was part of the practice yesterday that Nebraska had, and then met with the media he, three or four different times, people were trying to ask him some big picture stuff about, you know, big, big things with the program, whether you want to analyze this or that. He really didn't want to go there. He wanted to kind of just keep it on. What's still ahead, because this team does have three games left to, to play and still three big football games, where there is still a possibility of this team making postseason play. Uh, I was on a couple of our affiliates today. People were asking me what I thought of that. And I said, well, I, I don't blame him. He's in the midst of this season. The time for big-picture questioning and talking to me is when you're done with the season. Then you can go back and think about what all took place.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm, <clears throat> I, I'm not surprised by it. It seems like every time there's a loss, those types of things come up. Um, you know, whereas you know, you good example Alabama playing LSU this week, and Nick Saban's questions are about the status of Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, you know, those are the types of questions that you get when you're winning. You know, just the the matchup type questions, who's playing well, who isn't, injuries, all that type of stuff, and when when you're going through the the rough patch that Nebraska is going through right now, uh, you know, a lot of times writers or other media members around the country have or around your state or around your program have a lot bigger ideas of, of, of to what to write about or talk about than just um you know maybe x's and o's or their next game or whatever it is and and that's where those questions come up and uh especially during a bye week those things are amplified with um you know the the not playing another game for another at least seven days seven to ten days so you just you just kind of deal with it, and, and I don't know that's ever going to change.
1: Yeah, you, you you have two agendas. You have the coach who's still kind of in the mindset of we're, we're still in the midst of a season, and you have media members who are going, okay, well we don't have an opponent to break down for Saturday. We need to think about a bigger picture thing. So you, you see that rub happen all, all the time uh, between riders and coaching staff, so they're trying to think big, and coaches are like, I'm, I'm living in the moment. I'm living about our next practice and getting ready for Wisconsin. I'm thinking about where I'm going to go recruiting-wise. And it does look like the staff's going to be out and about t- starting today and tomorrow to go out and see some high school games, go visit some potential student-athletes that are headed down uh, to their choices. We're about seven weeks away now from the signing period of December the 20th, which is the date that uh, young men will be making their decision for the early period. I like what this class looks like at this point. you got to hang on to the ones you have, and you got to add to it. Um, it seems to me as we, you follow some of the Husker recruiting guys, awful lot of offers have gone out the door this week where the staff's probably had a few more minutes to spend on recruiting and go, okay, where are we at? We need a, another one or two in this position or a couple more over here. So it seems like there's, they're, they're uh, maybe hitting that pretty hard this week as well. And you, you have to do that. You have to probably do that on a daily basis. I mean, it
2: kind of even just stresses me out and I'm not even involved in any of that, just thinking about how you go about where to go, how you spend your time, what schools to visit, um, you know, what, what, what kids you're talking to. I mean, the idea of of putting that plan together is, is massively overwhelming to me. Uh, I can only imagine how the coaches feel, you know, cramming as much as they can uh, much quality time with these recruits as you can in, in these small windows that you get during the regular season. So um, I mean, especially now where well, we're about a month away for from the early signing period, uh, to take advantage of these while you can. And, you know, for Nebraska, I think, you know, this is a pretty good time to have a bye week and be able to do this because, um, I mean, I think, you, you, not that the, the coaches would mislead the recruits anyway about where they're at as a program, but, you know, it's not a deal where, you know, they're sitting around and telling kids what, what type of year they're expecting to have and, and, and things haven't gone that way. And then you have the recruits going, well, what the heck? That's not what you told me a few months ago. I mean, they can go be real. Um, and and the, the players that they're talking to probably know where, where Nebraska's at in their season. Definitely not going to win the Big Ten West and, and fighting for a bowl game. It's, you know, that, that, it's hard to imagine that the message would have been the same three months ago. And uh, I don't think the the coach is expected to be in this position in, in early November. But now th- that this is where they're at, there's not going to be any gray area. There's not going to be uh, any misleading of any kind. The the players are going to know where Nebraska's at as a program and how bad the the services of some of these kids are, are needed. Well,
1: it's it's uh, kind of like shaving. I've heard coaches say this in the past. Got to do it every day, or it looks a little. Look, gets a little out of whack if you don't stay on it. So even when they're in season, these coaches are spending one meeting a day, maybe two meetings a day, going over the recruiting list. When was the last time you made contact with this young guy? When when was the last time we reached out to this guy? I mean, I know they're constantly doing that, but this does allow them to be able to do that a little bit more – because they're not putting in a game plan, they're not getting ready for the Badgers yet. I'm sure they're uh, having their eyes on that and they're starting to formulate that, but it certainly gives them the chance to uh, kind of breach out and think about some other things. So uh, we'll talk about all that coming up here in the next few days. Huskers currently sit with 13 commitments in this class, and the last one they got was back on October the 12th when uh, Marcus Black, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, committed to Nebraska. I like this class a lot. I... You know, you got a quarterback in this class. You have a couple of running backs, one from Florida, one from Oklahoma in this class. You have a couple of wide receivers, one from Bellevue, right up the road, outside of Omaha. You have Will Nixon out of Waco, Texas. There's some. There's a. There's two offensive linemen in the class, a defensive lineman. Where you where you where I see a miss right now when there's only thirteen commits, so you still can add ten to twelve more to this batch. To me, Ben's linebackers and Nebraska had one. He decommitted a few weeks ago, but if I'm looking at this group right now, I'm going okay. Where where are some needs, And particularly with what you look at with the roster? Nebraska needs some help at the linebacker spot. Yeah, they do, uh, and I think
2: you know, based on the, the the play that we've seen at linebacker this year, not even just in terms of numbers, but the quality of play, that would be probably uh, on the highest uh, radar of, of fans watching too. You know, other than playmakers on offense, you know, finding a pass rusher, finding someone that can get to the quarterback, and, and even even guys in the middle, the the depth there has been, you know, very, very thin, plus you're, you're losing a guy, Mo Berry. So, you know, I think inside and outside backers should be – you know, at, at the at the forefront of the attention, and yeah, losing Rodney Gross
1: to a decommitment a few weeks ago certainly doesn't help. Now I say that Blaze Gunnerson could be an outside backer. I would guess he's six five, two fifty, listed as a defensive end. Maybe he could slide back and be an outside backer for him. Uh You know, I haven't really talked to Tony Tuioti and Eric Chenander about what their big plan for Blaze is. Whether they see him more as a guy with a hand on the dirt or a guy out on the edge that also can cover but Gunnarsson would be maybe a quasi outside backer for this team he's one of the 13 commitments for this football team at this moment in time but recruiting is certainly a big focal point the team did not practice today they will practice tomorrow And then it's going to be – they get the Saturday off, and then they're back at it Sunday to get ready to get cranked up and get uh, set to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Had our Big Ten Blitz last night where we checked in at Iowa. They're getting ready to play Wisconsin and also up in Minneapolis where the Gophers set to take on Penn State. A couple of big football games in the Big Ten this weekend. It's really been a very big weekend in college football. You have the undefeated battle in the Twin Cities between Minnesota and Penn State, and then obviously the big one down in Tuscaloosa with Bama and LSU. Not a bad Saturday to not have a Husker football game and soak in a lot of pretty prime games around the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about it. You know, I think it's going to be a great day for, for
2: us, me and you, and everybody, um, you know, that that's involved. You're going to be raking leaves. I did that today. I, I <laughs> st- still have a lot more. Chili out there I today. still have a lot more to go. Um, my dog was out there with me today. and Helpful. Let's just say one of us enjoyed it more than <laughs> than, the, than the other. Uh uh yeah, so it's gonna be fun to just sit sit down and and watch them football again and and honestly, just getting a little bit of a break is not the not the worst thing. But it's weird having another one already. I know. I mean, the the last one felt felt weird, and this one's gonna feel weird too. But I I, I can find a way to occupy a what Saturday. What time is the
1: Mama game? Is it at night? I th- I thought it was two thirty, but okay. I I could be I could All be right. off. Well, that's the big one. Obviously, game day's there. It's number two versus number three in the college football playoff poll that came out Tuesday night that had Ohio State at one. I think my personal ballot, I would have had LSU at one. I think LSU's been tested more than the Buckeyes have at this point in time. I would have gone LSU one, Ohio State two. They had it flipped. I'm fine with Bama being at three. I did put Clemson at four. I think they should get some respect because they are the defending champions. And they've started to really crank things up a little bit their last couple times out. It is 2.30, by the way. It is 2.30. But it's also hard to argue, Penn State, with their victory over Michigan. They've won a couple road games as well. I I think you're splitting hairs there a little bit. But – and again, it will certainly shake itself out. You this week you have number two playing, number three, and you have Penn State playing on the road of Minnesota. That they certainly could could go down to defeat, but it's the first snapshot we have of what the committee's looking at.
2: Really, the only thing that this first one is good is good for is hearing the rationale from the committee chair. That's that's really all it is, you know. And I feel like the criteria does change from week to week, even. But to at least hear their thought process, you can try and piece together. Uh, you know, based on the next week, the next week, the next week, eventually the last week, who's going to be where based on what we've been hearing from the committee. Uh, I don't, I think their goal is probably not to divert too far away from, uh, you know, what their plan is from the first week. So I think this, does this poll really matter? No, but at least we can hear, you know, why certain teams are ahead of another and, Uh, You know, I think, you know, if you do your due diligence, you you have a pretty good idea of where teams are going to fall at the end. A lot of football will be played. Oh, yeah. A lot. A lot of twists and turns. Was it two years ago or three years ago that all but one of the first teams in the poll were in it at the end? Yes. And like somebody that was 13th. It's like Mississippi State or something was in there. And Ole Miss maybe. I can't remember what the first one was. But three of the four teams
1: weren't even in there at the end. And somebody like 13th, 12th or 13th made it all the way to the four. Yeah. So, yeah, lot lots of things still to happen. Brian Christopherson of Husker 24-7 joining us now here on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. How's your bye week been, Brian?
3: Uh, pretty good bye week. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm going to drag you into the to the caller's question right before you jumped on. I don't know how much you heard. Uh, there was some talk out of the Purdue camp that they felt like they had a pretty good handle on what Eric Chenander was calling defensively. What, what have you observed? Have you seen some tendencies by this Husker defense?
3: Yeah, I think there's probably a few things that are predictable that are going on on that side of the ball. And I think, I think you've got to self-evaluate. You've got to try to do it during the bye week as best you can, but it's not an easy fix in this short amount of time. It's going to be something where after the season – I think they're gonna to have to go back and, and self critique and Scott Frost mentioned this the other day in front of the media. Um, you've you've gotta be you know, you you've gotta look at yourself and uh, kind of look in the mirror and say, Okay, this is this is what needs fixed and there are gonna be certain things you're gonna to have to take a closer look at. I don't know how much of that can be solved though in the short term. I think it's something that's probably gonna to have to come unfortunately probably after the offseason is it do you think the
1: issues with nebraska right now are more are more scheme related or are they personnel related
3: i think it's a combination of both I, I think there's a you know what's tough to tough for me to figure out is this defense has a lot of veteran players in it where you feel like they should be able to you know, at the end of games, finish them off, or they they shouldn't have these things where you get you for nine drives really stuck down a team, and then for four drives you allow 350 yards of offense, which is what happened on Saturday. Uh, That's what's tough for me to figure out, because when you look at this group, it's a veteran group up front, They've got some guys who have played a, a decent amount of football in the linebacker core, and obviously in the secondary with you know DiCaprio and Lamar and and those guys at the corners, they, they're experienced. So it's not like this is a group that is is really new to things, and that's what kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around. And I think this fan base is why they've had some of the struggles they have had against lesser competition. Um, with the, with the experience they have. So uh, that that's something they're going to have to figure out. But what makes it tough is, uh, you know, on the defensive line next year, you're, you're incorporating a lot of new guys, and you're going to have to kind of get them going uh, for, right off the bat, and that, it's not going to be easy.
1: You know, Brian, it's surprising that I'm hearing these comments from Purdue coaches, and we heard similar comments from P.J. Fleck and some of the Gophers after that road game, Nebraska has an, an analytics department. I know that they they've reviewed tendencies and that type of thing. So I guess I'm a little surprised if indeed Nebraska become that predictable. That Nebraska allowed that to happen, but I, maybe it is. Maybe it's getting. Maybe it's slipping through the cracks over in uh, in North Stadium. I, I I don't I don't know how to answer it to people when that when I get asked that.
3: It could be possible. I, I just wrote about this. I think, you know, in a big picture sense, there's a lot of young guys in this program that we have not seen that are behind the curtain right now, that are going to have to change the mentality and everything about it to finishing games. And you know, they every week they have these Friday practices with young guys, and they're said to be looking better this year than they were last year, and that's important. Um, guys like Ty Robinson, you know, Mosai Newsom, Miles Farmer, Noah Pola Gates. These are the guys who are the future of the program, not to mention the guys we've seen play like Wondell Robinson, you know, Garrett Nelson, and Luke McCaffrey. Those are the guys who have to change kind of the mentality around the program and the belief that when you are in tight games, you have the right stuff to finish them off. And when we get down to this, that's what's been lacking is finishing. And I'm not just talking about the last drive of the game. I mean, Nebraska has lost five games in the Frost era where teams have scored on the last drive, and that, that's that been the difference when you had a chance to win the game. I mean, think if those five games had flipped, how different the narrative would be around here. Uh, but it just hasn't happened. I'm not only talking about that, but I'm talking about when you're up 10 nothing you've got to be able to step on a team's throat and you've got to have that mentality that, okay, we're going to put this team to bed right now. They're not going to have any belief that they can come back and win this game. And that was a case against Purdue where it was there for the taking when it was 10 nothing. Nebraska had two drives where it could have been 24-28-0 kind of game and it simply wasn't. And that's what – it's hard to get your mind around how do, you, how do you make that type of team where you have that mentality and you just finish teams like that. Uh, but but it needs to be found, and those young guys are going to be a big key to
1: that. Yeah, one one of those ten nothing opportunities was the miss pass from Adrian to Canavaya Noah, who was wide open down the middle of the field. If you make that at seventeen nothing, that that thing might be completely over. But I'm with you. In three of the five losses, Nebraska's had a double digit lead, and if you just flip two of those, you're six and three, and the whole conversation about this season is completely different than what it is now at four and five. So in some ways. Nebraska may be closer to where they need to be than we think, and yet it, that that step, that making that step of making winning plays, can be a giant one to get. What, where can they make improvements in your eyes in the next three weeks? I mean, they still have a chance to get to postseason play if they can win two. What what would need to happen in your eyes for this team to get those two wins?
3: Well, one of the big things is third downs. I mean, they have to find a way on defense. To get off the field on third downs, and they just didn't do it the last two weeks. And if they had, if they had been successful on that down alone, they'd be six and three right now, and everybody'd be pretty happy during this bye week and feeling okay about things, and that they'd obviously have a bowl eligibility clinched and all that stuff. Uh, But it's just been a it's been a down where it's been far too easy for opponents, and I don't know what exactly the answer is to that. Um, we heard you know, before the Indiana game, Nebraska had a bad Wednesday practice, which is when they work on their third down. And uh, the defense had a bad day. And so that was kind of uh, a harbinger of things to come. So they, they've got to get it fixed in the practices. They've got to be very detail-oriented. And they've got to find a few staples on offense that they can really rely on. You know, the the inside run game just hasn't been there this year, and that makes it difficult. When you don't have that, you're, you're really scrambling for other answers on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's been one of the big problems, to be honest. And they've got to play pace. That You know, for better or worse, that's what this offense is going to thrive on. They're going to go at a fast tempo, and they, they need to be able to get in that rhythm, and it feels like it's very hit or miss with that. So I think that's something they need to find.
1: What did you make of Adrian Martinez's performance last Saturday?
3: Uh, it's pretty uneven. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big a guy. I, I think he's got an incredible ceiling, and when we've seen him at his best, like we saw for so much of his freshman year, he's a very good talent, and I don't think people should forget that. I don't think they should just throw that off to the curb and act like it's time to move on. Adrian's got a lot of good games ahead of him still, I believe that, but this year, I think in part because of the parts around him, um, has it's been a struggle. And on Saturday, I, I one thing I appreciate about Adrian, he will take the blame for things, and he he took it after the game. I mean, he said, "Put it all on me," and I always hate to do that to put it on one guy, especially at the college level. But in the second quarter, he had a rough quarter, and when we were talking about it earlier, when it was ten nothing. Um, you know, in the past where uh, he thought he had Spielman maybe, he didn't see the safety, it ends up a pick. He had a tight end in, across the middle that was open there, and then obviously he missed Connervay on the next series. That's where it could have been 24 nothing, and that's where I think Adrian, when he looked at the film, was probably like, yeah, you know, i got to take responsibility for that. I love that part about him, but he's got to be more consistent. You know, the fourth quarter we saw his talents – uh, I think on full display, he can be a really great player. We saw it in the second half against Illinois too. But he's got to be consistent. And uh, I think this QB competition is going to be a little more interesting next year than I than I initially thought. I think Luke McCaffrey's a good young talent. Noah Vedral knows the system really well. And I kind of thought this was going to be Adrian's show until it was all over. But now you know he's going to have to go fight these last three games to show that. He's the uh, lead dog heading into next year.
1: How, how, uh, how do you feel at this point about recruiting? 13 commits. We're about six, seven weeks away from the signing day. Are they projecting nicely, or is it – where do you come down on how this staff has done to this point with this class?
3: Well, the thing you worry about right now is quantity. Uh, 13 is behind most of their peers in the Big Ten, and they're ranked 32nd nationally. The reason they're ranked that high despite having such a low number of commits is their player star average is very high. They're actually doing quite well. They rank 18th when it comes to player star average. So they're doing very well as far as the guys that are in the class right now. The thing where I'm worried about is linebacker. Uh, that's obviously a position when you look at the depth chart right now. They need to build it up. And I feel like they're a little behind. You know, Right now they don't have much. To, to build on that in this class. And they've kind of missed on some targets that they were prioritizing. And so it's going to be something where uh, they're going to have to scramble a little bit, I think. Let's see, they're making a lot more junior college offers. And obviously, you know, there's a risk reward with that. There's some guys who are a little older, and sometimes that can be beneficial. We've seen some really good JUCO players come through this program in the past. Uh, but you have to hit at a really high average with those guys. So it's going to be a scramble. Uh, the next few weeks are going to be critical. They have two home games where they can host guys, and they have two weekends in December before their early signing day. So a lot is riding on you know, adding basically seven or eight guys here in the next month, month and a half. Uh, that, that can kind of fill out this class and, and make you feel good about it there, there's potential there but uh, there I can see where there's some worry too.
1: very good. what's the plan for the bye week? you're gonna rake leaves you're going to see games gonna watch games what are you doing?
3: I, I, I do need some help with my leaves if anyone wants to help me I, I have to be <laughs> on a, I'm in a spot in my neighborhood. Where the trees from other houses, it's just like they all descend upon my lawn. And I—I, I, it's bad news right now. It's not, <laughs> it's not looking good. So I should not spend my bi week just in sweatpants eating my cool ranch Doritos watching football on Saturday, but I probably will, but that's not what you should do. So. Uh, if anyone wants to come help me, I'm all for
1: it. All right, there you go, folks. There's the challenge. If you want to send him a, a direct message, go ahead, reach out. B.C., glad to accept the help. Brian, we appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy <laughs> your time off. Yep, that was good. Brian Kristofferson, 24-7 Sports with us here.
0: Tonight, it's the Nebraska Football Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Under center is Plummer. Turns play actions out of this a little shovel.
1: Pass it. intercepted. Picked off by De- Picked off the shovel pass and runs it down to the three. Oh, and we almost had a big man score right there.
0: A weekly look inside the Cornhusker football program.
1: Two wide outs left, one to the near side. Snap back to Plummer. Looking to the near side. Holt throws the deep fade pass. Pass is intercepted. Lamar Jackson picks it off. It was a for David Bell. Jackson's third pick of the season, the fifth of his career.
0: Tonight, strength and conditioning coach Zach Duval.
1: First and goal at the four. Adrian in the gun. Gets the shotgun, snaps, got a quarterback, run it to the five. He dives, touchdown, Nebraska. A leaping dive into the end zone by Adrian Martinez, and the Huskers have the lead back.
0: Brought to you by Channel Seeds. Find your Channel Seedsman at Channel.com. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at BuyFordNow.com. Now here's the host of the Nebraska Football Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you. Welcome to our 2nd bye bi-week show of the year. So rare to have 2 bye bi-weeks in a college football season. It just falls that way. The number of Saturdays between Labor Day and Thanksgiving determines it. And this is one of those rare years when Nebraska gets 2 bye bi-weeks. As Cusker coaching staff is scattered a bit to go out and do some recruiting, we're delighted to have Zach Duval here with us. This is probably past your bedtime. As early as you get up and get going with the guys. Well, for sure for sure it's great to be here though do you need some caffeine we need coffee or mountain dew or anything i'm ready to roll <laughs> pretty good um let's we got a lot to cover with you uh first of all welcome back to nebraska i mean you grew up here you know your family's here you were gone a couple different stops around football uh but back in the state so welcome back home thank you it's great to be home Fa- the family's got to like having your dad mom gotta, the whole group's got to like having you back here Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, um uh from a big family
4: so uh you know seeing them all on a regular basis is uh, it's a nice
1: bonus take me back through how you got involved in this side of it um and uh, you, you were here in nebraska how big of an influence was a guy like boyd epley for you yeah um well my
4: dad used to coach here uh on the staff at nebraska so yeah, I can remember being here as a little kid. Um, I remember exactly where we were in the stadium for every game. Uh, parents brought us uh, to every game, and it uh, didn't matter what the weather were was, we were here. and uh, So I enjoyed that, but wandered down to the weight room, I think, when I was four or five and saw these big, huge dudes throwing these weights around and uh, I was hooked from that point, so uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do from a very young age. Where was the weight room? Was it West Stadium at that time? Uh, yeah, it was West Stadium
1: and then uh, the pit, so I kind of saw both. So Did you have any—well, your dad was a coach, so he probably knew the importance of weight training because by that time, weight training was acceptable in football. It hadn't been until really Boyd got this thing cranked up and— I've got my 50 year Husker power hat over here. But by that time it was, but how did you, how did it pull you into that then? Yeah. So,
4: so my dad knew I was inter- interested in, in the whole weightlifting thing. Uh, so he set up a meeting, uh, between me and Boyd and I met him in his office and, uh, he gave me a workout book and a weightlifting belt. And, You know took me through all the lifts and showed me you know exactly what the players were doing and you know some coaching points that he was going over and uh, I was sold from that point on Uh, and later on I'd start working for him so it's he he was a big influence in my career and actually he's uh, the one that taught me everything I know him and Mike Arthur.
1: How different Zach is it from then to now how d- different is the training obviously with technology you've got some different gadgets you can use now that weren't available then but how different has it changed yeah i i mean
4: some things some things are really different um like you said the the technology and the the ability to monitor and um not guess anymore you know there's a lot of guessing going on uh, 30 years ago um, you had a best practices plan that you laid over, uh, the the guys, and uh, but now you're really not guessing. So a lot has changed via the technology, uh, things that we thought were true but didn't have the technology to actually figure it out. So now we, we do have those knowns now, uh, but a lot of stuff doesn't change. So, you know, the squad is still the king of, of the exercises and uh, the vertical jump is the number one test to see where your best athletes are at. The best way to increase your vertical jump is, you know, Olympic lifts, the hang clean, power clean, snatch, you know. So those, those are lifts that they've been doing for decades, uh, and that, that will never change. Um, you know, Boyd came up with the metabolic circuit, and uh, that is the number one way to increase hypertrophy, which is increase lean muscle mass in the body. Uh, and then you train it correctly, so uh, you recruit fast-twitch fibers uh, instead of slow-twitch fibers. And you really overhaul the engine, uh, and that's, that's what we do with these guys uh, from day one when we came in here uh, to now. Those things don't change. Uh, some of the players change. Uh, it's our job to monitor them and uh, see what the daily changes are. Um, that's probably the biggest change there's been. Uh, we don't guess on a daily basis. There's so many things we can monitor physiologically uh, to where you're training the individual. You're not guessing per the
1: group. So. Nutrition, that's probably been a big switch, too, hasn't it, in the last 20, 30 years, what you're fueling these bodies up with? Yeah. Uh,
4: I I was fortunate to be here with Dave Ellis. Um, Everywhere I ever went, Dave, um, you know, we signed him up, and he he did a consulting deal um, at Buffalo, at Creighton, at UCF, uh, Wyoming, so when I got here, um, you know, we 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 toyed around a little bit with trying to get him to come to UCF. He wasn't quite there yet. Uh, so when we got here. Uh, we put those hooks in, and uh, Scott reeled them in and so he's he's now part of the staff and he, he is absolutely vital um, yeah you know, i'm the one that tears them down um, dave's the one that provides the fuel and the calories to build them back up so it, it, it's definitely a one two punch and you have to have both to be successful.
1: You probably really have to dive in to help guys change their habits when you first get your hands on a incoming freshman or maybe a transfer student that comes into the program to, to maybe reach each somehow to work out, reteach them how to eat properly, right? I'm sure that's a big part of it. Yeah, it,
4: it's it's 100% with, with the majority of these guys, it's, a, it's an overhaul. So, uh, you know, and then different kids from different parts of the country have different palates and mm-hmm. they like different foods. So, you know, Dave has to really break them down there and uh, educate them, see what their tendencies are. Uh, our technology allows us to monitor all those things. Um, so that's the nutrition piece. And then ours, you know, same thing. Uh, they, a lot of these athletes come with a lot of bad habits that you have to fix. And where uh, an athlete may have been really good uh, because he was just big, you know, he, he overpowered the other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little different here, and especially in this league. So you have to break down a lot of the bad habits. You have to rework the body composition from fat pounds to lean muscle mass and then rewire it, work on the gears. So it, it, it's
1: always a complete overhaul with these guys, and it's year-round. Is Are bye weeks different for you? Do you do anything different with them, or are you just in an in-season routine with these guys right now? yeah um for sure the bye weeks for us are an opportunity
4: to gain more strength and kind of stimulate them to where they were in the summer. So bi-weeks for us are really heavy. Uh, We really trigger in specific workouts that, uh, you know, get their central nervous systems ticking again, um, increase their strength, uh, and then refire them up in a bunch of different areas because... Uh, the volume and the intensity of practices during this week is down. So we can actually elevate ours a little bit. But you'll back off then probably this weekend because you're back into another game week then. Yeah. So that that system is, is really good uh, because Scott understands the necessity for the weight room. So um, we the only thing we back off during in-season training is the overall volume what we don't back off is the amount of weight that they lift so the intensity of it so uh, once every 14 days once every 17 days different guys are in different windows there but we have to put a maximum load on their back uh and rep it out once or twice to maintain all the gains that they worked for in winter conditioning and summer conditioning so um you know, and Scott Scott's mantra of uh, you know uh, no fear of failure and attack uh, that really works with us because uh, the end season is something where uh, you know we're not trying to just maintain and if you did just maintain uh, you're always
1: going to lose. So we're very aggressive in season. Do you treat athletes who? don't play on Saturdays differently than the ones who play yes
4: so we have about four different lifting groups uh, every day Uh, we have a a power uh, travel power which is offensive line defensive line we have uh, travel big skill and then travel skill Mm And then we have the developmental guys and then the guys who aren't traveling. There are some guys that play up one week and then they play down the next week. So those are the guys that you have to make sure they don't fall through the cracks. But the developmental group is training more of an off-season program during the in-season. So you can make a lot of hay during the season with those guys.
1: Well, and this new redshirt rule has changed that a little bit. I mean, if a kid was redshirted in August in the past, you he wasn't going to play. But now these coaches can cherry-pick some games. I like the rule, but it has to make your job a little harder.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, you you really have to be monitoring them to see where their uh, readiness lies. Uh, you know, obviously the coaches do a phenomenal job of – you know preparing them but we have to help with the are they ready parts mm-hmm. so the readiness and that's physiological and it changes every day uh, changes moment by moment so really figuring out those guys and you know great communication between the coaches and us you know and Dave Ellis Hey, this is a week they're not going to be up so we can push the calories we can, you know, push the weight on them a little bit more and then, you know, Hey, they're up. We got to back off a little bit in case they hit the, hit the field and they're able to play. And that's like you, like you brought up, that's a great deal. You know, the ability to play four games, mm-hmm. um, you know, strength and conditioning is strength and conditioning, but you know, the best conditioning uh, the best uh, development of all this athleticism put together is football, you know, so the, 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 Every opportunity you have to play
1: football, whether it be practice or a game, uh, you don't want to miss out on that. Zach Duval's with us, Husker Strength and Conditioning Coach. We have Strength and Conditioning Coach Zach Duval with us. All right, got the early signing period coming up in December. If you get student athletes and they sign that national letter of intent, how much contact can you have then once they've signed the line to say? Once you start doing this, this, and this, is that how the process kind of works? Yes. As, as soon as they sign their letter, uh, we already have
4: a pre-programmed uh, plan that goes out to them electronically. It's on their phone. Uh, there's videos, and uh, they can put in their stuff, and we make sure they're on the right, uh, right path. Um, so that that process gets started uh, very quickly, and Dave Ellis, as well, starts working with them via their nutrition. So. Uh, those early commits, or that's best case scenario. You know, you, whether you,
1: they come in January or not, you can still do all that with them. Yeah, you, yeah. The,
4: those guys, the guys that actually show up in you know January, that that's the best case scenario because you can start training them. Yeah. The guys that still have to graduate, um, you, you're still working with them, but. As you know, um, working with a
1: personal trainer one-on-one and mm-hmm. doing it on your own—those are two different things. Because so. those those guys in high school are probably on the cheeseburger and chicken McNuggets diet. That's probably what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, pizza. And,
4: yeah, and then you know, some of these families um, may not have uh, the funds to be able That's to right. eat properly, and you know, maybe some supplements here via protein and some different things. So uh, we work around that, uh, you know, but that's the it starts with education.
1: So your team gets back in the second semester. You're into that winter conditioning. How and take, take me through and our audience through how intense that is and how much can you build up a guy in about two months before spring ball starts? Yeah, that winter
4: conditioning um, – that's probably our, our our best phase um it's a really uh, it's a get to work phase you know it's really high intensity and a lot of hard work a lot of trash cans puke buckets laying around and uh, y- y- you can really forge some identity there um because you have stimulus nonstop um, and it's in an environment where you're teaching them how to win um, and that's a process as well but uh, they're learning how to rely on the teammate to the left and their teammate to the right and uh, holding themselves accountable as well as we hold them accountable so um, but that's that's probably where we feel at home the best you know we're actually Uh, grinding nonstop so that's the sleep on our part dwindles majorly during that phase because you're just grinding one group after another and it's a it's a two-hour block of training time so uh, that's actually when we start introducing you know some of the older guys to the metabolic circuit and that's 36 minutes of grueling work uh, as they found out when we got here week one you know and we had to make an adjustment on that because they just weren't ready for that type of workload but more so that type of intensity so that's something that uh, we're working through with these guys uh you got to reestablish some baselines and get some trends moving in the other direction but uh they they you know they've had a great two winter conditionings the first one was kind of getting back up to par Uh, this last one was we we made some hay but you got to keep stacking these off seasons on top of each other you know it's it's never you know hey i've got 300 bucks i'm gonna go get a great meal and put on weight no 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 let's take that 300 bucks and let's get you know a couple chocolate milks for consistently eating uh every day you know so that's what we're always into it's it's consistently it's sensibly and it's systematically over designated periods of time that's what we do
1: zach you've been here 22 months can you can you even quantify how much progress this group has made in your eyes just with work ethic discipline Um, leadership i mean i'm you you develop a lot of leaders that's where a lot of leadership comes to the top is when they're being pushed like that in a winter conditioning setting yeah that's that that's correct um you know getting here our first
4: week uh we looked at a lot of data and um you know the data was trending in the wrong way you know you were increasing fat and decreasing muscle mass and you want to do the opposite of that and you know we put them through the performance index testing and uh, uh, it's nowhere close to where it needs to be Uh, so we made a executive decision you know we need to systematically uh, check off some of these boxes we need to develop a base with these guys first uh, you know before we get into the full blown out performance index testing but we'll be hitting the ground uh, in winter conditioning with that and uh, we'd like to post it in the newspaper and uh, turn it into what it was Mm -hmm. and that that is probably one of the best ways at uh, increasing competition and competition fixes everything
1: have you noticed a change in attitude with your guys that you work with
4: yeah um Year one was uh, very interesting. Uh, we flipped the script 100% on them, and uh, I think there was a little bit of, well, what did we get ourselves into? Um, you know, after a couple weeks, they probably put uh, two feet in the water. It wasn't consistently, but, um, you know, they were getting into it. Year two, uh, you got a bunch of guys that are both feet in. Uh, they had a phenomenal uh, winter conditioning and a phenomenal summer conditioning. Uh, the changes in performance uh, were vast. You know, it was great changes, um, but not where we need to be. So uh, you have to keep developing that.
1: All right, so winter conditioning, you said, is really important part. Then spring ball comes. Is that, does that kind of fall into an in-season type thing? You kind of go to that for the, for the practice sessions in spring football?
4: Yeah, so the way Scott likes to do it is, you know, he he loves the pressure part of it. So uh, spring ball is a tough, you know, a tough thing. They like to do installs and, um, you know, try different players out. But that's that's really a, you know, kind of an season for us as well. Uh, we, we're still hitting them three days a week, um, you know. So really looking to see if they're recovered, they're ready to go. Uh, but we, we were pretty aggressive during uh, spring ball. That That's actually where the changes are made. You see the changes in winter conditioning, and then they put them on in the field. Coaches evaluate the change that was made. Uh, this guy needs a little bit more of this. This guy needs a little bit more of this. Uh, but year one and year two, we didn't really worry about were they in condition for spring ball. Um uh, because we were in such a deficit in size and strength and speed and the ability to change direction. So you know we said, okay, we're gonna forego that right now. Uh, we'll work on that year two, uh, but right now we gotta make some major changes. Year two, uh, we started working on that a little bit more um you know and then that's great feedback that the coaches give us during spring ball and that's where we take the feedback and fine-tune it during the summer so uh, that that's where a lot of the strength and explosiveness that they build in the weight room gets translated into different drills that we do four days a week uh, two days a week speed two days a week uh, agility drills just just like I was taught from uh, the godfather, Boyd Epley, and um, you see a lot of great gains there.
1: So, Spring ball ends, semester ends, guys usually get a week or two to, to get out of here and go kind of clear their mind a little bit, and then they come back. So then you get the team back, and then here come the newbies, right? Then it comes June, and here comes all the true freshmen that kind of get added to the mix. How does that change the dynamics? Yeah, that's that's always interesting.
4: Yeah. Uh, the guys who report early, the the early enrollees have a major leg up on those guys. Yeah. You know, the the seniors, the juniors, the sophomores don't really even look at the early enrollees as freshmen anymore, because they've got they've gone through winter conditioning, they've paid their debt. Uh, so you see some really good things there. And then the new guys come in, and you know it's. I mean, obviously you're not hazing them, but you know they they get thrown in the fire a little bit, um, wink wink, and uh, you, you know you get them rolling. But uh, it, that for sure, those guys that show up in June, July, that's that's baptism by fire. It's got to be a shock to the system to a it's lot of them, majorly. You know, not not only. Strength and conditioning, nutrition, sleep, uh, these different monitoring systems. But oh yeah, you have class on top of it. Right. So it, it, it's it's a wholesale change from what they're used to. Yeah. So you have to you have to look at all those things and balance them all out. And that, that's where the you know the the fathers in all of us come out. And you have to really pull alongside these young guys and and mentor them and you know just help them stay you know
1: just one nostril above the water that's that's really what we're doing these are 18 year old kids yeah. away from home for the first time against some grown men who are 22 years old and who've been in your program for a couple of years it's it could be a shock to the system to a lot of those guys yeah major
4: shock you know and i i said that when i got here you know it's the the coach's job you know is always to coach what they have but as soon as they hit the road they're looking to recruit better Mm -hmm. you know they're always looking to bring in better talent than what they brought in the year before so our job is to help the talent that's here um you know get a leg up and then as soon as the new crop of guys come in you know we do the same with them so it's 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 a process
0: he's originally from new york but now calls the second city his home he prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune.
1: Well, another week of the NFL behind us, and one thing we learned last week is you don't mess with the Miami Dolphins. Teddy. You just You don't want any part of that team.
5: Yeah, that's a juggernaut. I mean, you know what? They were lying in the weeds all season just to be able to put forth a great performance against my New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. We all saw that coming, um, <laughs> except except me. Otherwise, I would have bet on the Dolphins plus three. And, um, yeah, I, I you know, I told my daughter this. I said, honey, good news. They're going to go one and 15 this year, but we're going to be able to say that we saw the one.
1: Yeah. you so, always have um, that.
5: Exactly. We'll always have the Cowboys game.
1: (laughs) Well, you've been covering a different type of professional sport. You got a chance to see the Bulls play the other night, didn't you?
5: Yeah, I've covered a couple Bulls games and actually some decent ones. Um, Late last week, last Friday, D. Rose came to town. He is just as explosive as ever. Uh, He's pretty fun to watch. And then Tuesday, the the Lakers were in town and seeing LeBron and Anthony Davis up close was pretty. Pretty sweet. Although Anthony Davis, back in his hometown, didn't didn't do all that much. But uh, yeah, the Bulls were looking good, up 13 heading into the fourth quarter, and then the Lakers opened with a 16 nothing run. And then Jim Boylan was asked like why he didn't call a timeout, you know, for several minutes or switch back to the starters, and he said because he was trying to develop a bench. <laughs> okay so um yeah so we're you know in a developmental phase right now we're willing to lose games to try to develop the bench and uh that's bulls basketball for you
1: is that lakers team got a chance to win the whole thing in your
5: eyes oh man um now you're trying to tap into my NBA knowledge, which I don't have. I think that's a Ben McLaughlin question. But I would say, yeah, I mean, because Kuzma's really good, right? Yeah. And they got a bench, and, and uh, Dwight Howard, I mean, who knew? This guy, he can still play. Um, so, yeah, that looks like a pretty good team.
1: All right. Well, we did find out the, the top four teams in the first college football poll. Were you surprised Penn State cracked the top four in that thing?
5: Yeah, I was a little pleasantly surprised. Uh, Penn State four over Clemson. I really thought LSU would be one, and Ohio State would be two. You know, based on the the resume versus the eye test. So that's uh, an interesting move by the committee. You know, saying that even though Ohio State didn't play anyone all that great in the non conference. Obviously, Cincinnati is a solid team, but a Group of Five team um that you know they're basing it on the fact that yeah ohio state clearly looks like the best team in america with an incredible offense defense special teams coaching i mean it looks like an all-star team so um that is an interesting move by the committee to do that and and i think it's very good news for the big 10 in that i mean if you're penn state if you if you finish 11 and one with a three-point loss in the shoe you got a great case i mean you're saying at that point hey you know, we lost on the road to the best team in America, and uh, we were number four, you know, probably heading into that game, or number three. So how about that? How about if this is a year where the Big Ten actually gets two in the playoffs? Wouldn't that be wild?
1: That'd be amazing. Well, Penn State's got to get by Minnesota this weekend. Are you yeah. giving the Gophers a shot at all in this one?
5: I am giving the Gophers a shot. I feel like it just it sets up very well for Minnesota to, to have a really good game. I mean, obviously, the Gophers have not been taxed recently at all um you know both teams were off last week but minnesota's played a lot of stress free football penn state last three games at iowa home for michigan and that whiteout game at michigan state i think it's a lot to ask you know kids to kind of do it week after week after week after week being on the road um i see penn state has a dominant you know defensive line defensive front so it's going to be up to the gophers i think it's a 1700 pound offensive line to keep at bay and to get some productivity from Tanner Morgan, but I think Minnesota's got a chance, and I, I would certainly take them uh, plus the seven. I think it, it sets up nicely for Minnesota to, you know, put forth a good, good team, uh, a good effort on Saturday.
1: Should be a heck of a game, and that's kind of the the appetizer for the big entree of Bama LSU later. Yeah. that that should be awesome to to see as well. You had some fun with a piece that you put out. I think it was earlier today about the ultimate what if. Lay that out for our audience, would you?
5: Yeah, Greg, I was thinking about it. So last year, um, the Ohio State-Maryland game goes to overtime, and then Ohio State scores a touchdown. Maryland quickly scores a touchdown, and and they're going to go for two, which makes sense because, you know, when you're the kind of underdog with less talent, you go for two. Uh, uh, Pigrome rolls out and is unable to connect with his receiver, and Ohio State wins by one. But what would have happened if that conversion – had been completed you know it's so it's pretty rare that a game comes down to one play anyway i mean occasionally you get you know a kick but it's pretty rare that it's literally one play that determines who wins and who loses so if maryland wins that game i was thinking about this like would matt canada would he have gotten the job instead of mike Loxley? and then urban meyer would have had two losses and that would have affected his uh legacy would it have affected how ohio state would have played against michigan Um, And then think about this. Michigan at that point was 8-0 in the Big Ten. So Michigan would have clinched the Big Ten East. Mm. They go to Indianapolis. The narrative of Jim Harbaugh changes. Northwestern plays Michigan, and Northwestern definitely uh, matched up better with Michigan than Ohio State. Uh, In fact, early in the season last year, that was a three-point game. Michigan only won 20-17. So does Northwestern win the Big Ten and go to the Rose Bowl? So it's just fascinating to think, all the ramifications over one play a rollout that easily could have been completed so I was asking Urban Meyer about it and he said he's like I don't want to think about it man you're making my forehead starting to sweat <laughs> you know because think about that he would have lost that last year to Purdue and Maryland yeah. as at double-digit favorites it would have gone into the Michigan game with two losses how, how would his team have, have reacted emotionally it's it is wild, man, how it's what we love about sports, right? So many important things can come down to one moment.
1: Well, and it's what what I think both you and I love so much about college football. Just look at what can happen in 12 months. You've got Minnesota right. at 8-0. You've got Indiana at 7-2. and Northwestern wins the West in a runaway last year. And they're 1-7. I mean, you don't know from what's going to happen from one season
5: to the next. I mean, one just quick Nebraska moment. I was able to watch a bunch last week. Like if Adrian Martinez completes that pass and Nebraska goes up 17 nothing. over Over Purdue in that exactly I I mean I just I feel that way then it's a three score game Nebraska's feeling great yeah it just these these games come down to one play and and your Northwestern example is great too where I mean that team won the Big Ten West by three games last year and now can't score a touchdown Yeah, it hasn't scored a touchdown since October 5th against Nebraska I mean it's just not to be believed
1: it's unbelievable. Well, we did start college basketball this season. Northwestern at some point in time is going to play a game. I mean, think you are one of the last teams in the country to play a game. But uh, oh,
5: Do they have to? <laughs>
1: well, Coach Collins may be wondering about that at, at this point in time. That, that terrific doubleheader double that starts college basketball, which I know has been in yeah. Chicago in the past with Kansas and Duke and Kentucky and Michigan State this year it was at the Garden. Duke got a nice win, and you're going to be headed to, to Durham, correct, later in the week?
5: That is, and it's funny. So I was I was actually covering the Bulls that night, Tuesday. There was a guy walking around in a Kentucky polo shirt, and I felt like being like, bro, you got the wrong arena. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do get to see LeBron tonight, but but, but you're in the wrong house for Kentucky. Um, yes, I'm headed to uh, Durham this weekend. Um, you know, I booked the trip before. <laughs> no name, lost to Michigan. Uh, but part of it is motivated by basketball. Uh, Coach K's crew is going to play – a home game Friday night uh, against Colorado State. The opponent doesn't matter, but Duke is is recruiting really well uh, in Chicago and and Illinois in general now. So um, thought a story would be appropriate how Coach K, who's from Chicago, is is really trying to come back in this area and snatch a bunch of good players.
1: Very good. Well, travel safe. Uh, who are you picking in Bama? LSU. Bama.
5: Uh, I'm picking LSU plus six with okay. zero. Zero confidence. I think that's that's one of those picks where it's just more like, I want to root for her, so I'm picking him. But, uh, you know, I, what I'm banking on is that Tua is not 100%, and that LSU can score 31, and it might be like a 34-31 final. But, uh, you know, it's in Tuscaloosa, obviously. and It's Edward Geron against Nick Saban, and you don't get rich betting against Nick Saban. But I, I, I am hoping that LSU can at least cover
1: going to be fun great stuff travel safe to durham we'll talk to you again next week
5: thanks greg take care buddy
1: welcome back sports nightly here on the Husker sports network got some special guests with us here in the studio tonight paul atha the president of a company that we want to tell you all about and that's vista energy and also the vice president from vista energy drew
6: henderson paul i want to start with you tell us what vista energy is Well, thanks. Uh, Vista Energy is a natural gas supplier uh, in those parts of Nebraska, formerly Source Gas, uh, part of Black Hills, where you can actively go out and choose a supplier. We're one of a handful of suppliers that love to bring gas and uh, heat to residential homes and small businesses. Tell me about the company a little bit how long you' been around uh, Vista was started in uh, January of 2009. We've been an active supplier up in this uh, part of the country since 2012 so uh, currently we're just uh, shy of around 22,000 active customers up here and looking to continue to grow the business. Drew, talk about what
1: parts of the state that you're currently in and I guess kind of central to the western edge out toward Wyoming, correct?
7: Yes, that's correct. So we can uh, currently serve any uh, residential or uh, small commercial customers that are in the central and western portions of uh, Nebraska as well as uh, many parts of Wyoming.
1: Now we were talking before we, we jumped on the air here today about how our, our audience is real familiar with football recruiting periods and young men commit to a program, but then they have to wait and sign up at a certain
7: period of time. Kind of works that way in your industry as well, correct? That's correct. So uh, we can actually begin uh, making an offer to a customer in uh, beginning January 1st of uh, 2020 this year. Um, and that would be for a selection that would uh, be made in April. And then the beginning of that actual term would start in june june yes okay. correct
1: very good benefits for this paul what talk about that what what how what's your your service to customers and those type of things
6: well yeah what excited us the most it's natural gas is not that interesting of a business to be selling but everybody needs it and there's real value to save some money in there so we collectively got together and said what can we bring uh the residents of nebraska that might be a unique opportunity so we Uh, have come forth with the concept of, hey, if you pick Vista as your supplier, we've got an exciting promotion. We partnered with the University of Nebraska. Uh, We think there'll be some real opportunity there basically to save money. Um, In the event that uh, Fred Hoiberg and the uh, Huskers can make it to the NCAA playoffs this year, uh, we will take every customer that signed up um, through this campaign and change their rate from whatever the rate they signed up was to a penny a therm. So Imagine heating your home next yeah. winter for pennies uh, pennies a month and keeping it as comfortable as you want. That should get some people's attention, I would think. With that, we're we're certainly hope so. Um, you know, there's been a few of these campaigns around the country, and we've we've seen the impact they've had both on the uh, the sports organization and the community. And it was a, a real way for consumers to be excited about the University of Nebraska and also uh, realize some some great opportunity or great savings. Okay, now the, the name Fred Hoiberg rolled right off your tongue. How, how do you what do you know about Fred Hoiberg? Well. Well. Well, I I obviously don't know Fred personally, but I am from a small town in the Midwest called Marshalltown. Grew up to be a rival of the Little Cyclones in Ames, Iowa. I'm a few years older than Fred, but I did watch him uh, play a little bit of high school basketball, play uh, at Iowa State. Uh, And then uh, I was in grad school and he came back and coached Iowa State. So I followed him, saw what he did there and turned that program around followed him when he went on to the Bulls. Uh, and then when I heard he landed here, I thought, you know what? This guy this guy can make an impact, and he can turn this program around quickly. So I thought, what a great opportunity to capitalize on the excitement with uh, Nebraska basketball. I, I think you've, you're on to something with that.
1: Drew, I want to come back to you and just talk a little bit more about how big of a footprint this energy has throughout the country. This is a bit that you guys go basically coast to coast, don't you?
7: Yeah, that's right. Uh, we currently serve customers in California all the way to New Jersey uh, and all everywhere in between, uh, and and so we have a little under 200,000 total customers that we currently serve, and uh, you know we're just excited to continue to grow in this area.
1: Very good. Well, Paul, again, January 1st, that's the time to get people signed up and take some advantage here of this Husker basketball season, which is now underway. And, and then, so they can sign up in January, then when can it make, be official for them?
6: Yeah, we'll have all the details and uh, some examples out there at VistaEnergyMarketing.com, our website, which Beautiful. is a great place to go. Again, as Drew noted, the custom pricing will be available starting January 1, but that's a great place to go. You can uh, give us the indication that you want to participate as early is Jan 1. We'll reserve a spot. Then when the actual enrollment comes, we'll give you a confirmation. Uh, then you just got to sit back and watch the uh, Cornhuskers uh, hit the playoffs. There you go. Good stuff. Wonderful. Welcome to town,
1: both of you. It's great to have you here in Lincoln. and, and Best of luck And I, for those folks, particularly out in
6: central and western parts of Nebraska. Go give them a look. What's, again, the website that they can go get some information? It's Marketing.com. You can also find us out there at winwithvista.com. Um, both those websites will lead you to the, the custom Go Big Red page, and you can learn all about uh, our participation and partnership with the University of Nebraska. Yeah, it's
1: fantastic. Paul Aethel, the president from Vista Energy, Drew Henderson, who is the vice president. Great to have you guys here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Husker basketball team back out on the court Saturday against Southern Utah, 1 o'clock at PBA. So, Husker fans, you don't just have to sit on the couch all day. You can come down and watch some Husker basketball Saturday afternoon at Pinnacle Bank Arena. We talked about it some last night. Certainly was a rough start to the season with the the inability to put the basketball in the hoop on Tuesday night against UC Riverside. You saw that team in, in Italy play four times. They're going to be nights. that They're going to make a lot of those shots. I, I just think the other night they had some good looks. Kevin Cross had a bunch of good looks. The ball just kept hitting the back of the iron. Yeah, Kevin's not a bad
2: shooter either. I don't know that you want him taking probably as many threes, but UC Riverside was daring him to shoot. I think the biggest concern to me is, again, responding to adversity. This team's yet to show that they can do it. And while things were going great for that first six minutes, they looked really good, and then they never turned it back once they got hit in the mouth. And to me, that's that's the big concern. And as you know as well as I do, in a four-quarter football game and a two-half college basketball game and a nine-inning baseball game, the, every single game something goes wrong. And, and the idea that you can get through – 40 minutes unscathed and not have to face adversity is uh is really far off
1: so this team better get used to it and know how to respond to it when it happens and and, you know there was a tip in right at the end of the first half that stretched the lead to four or five points for riverside and you could almost physically see the husker's shoulders drop like oh that was a big bucket i'm like well you're down two baskets and you got 20 minutes to go but It was Riverside that took that momentum to the locker room and then came out, and, man, were they hot. Um, You know, Nebraska probably was a little slow, closing out on some shooters. But I also thought Riverside made some tough shots to really open that up, and they made four straight threes. You get hit with that by anybody. Let's say it's a two-point game and somebody hits four straight threes and maybe you've only scored one bucket. All of a sudden, it's a double-digit lead, and that's what happened the other night. It It opened up really quickly in that game. Yeah, I think the rotation at times was really,
2: really bad. I think they were, they were over-aggressive on trying to get steals into passing lanes, and um, I, that, that just led to one extra pass and wide-open looks. I, I think that's, that's something that they're probably going to break down a ton in film. And, and you know Doc Sadler is just stomping his foot on the ground with, uh, with the lack of defensive execution that the team saw against UC Riverside, and you better hope that it gets better real soon.
1: Same five started the game against Stone and started the other night. Do you think that stays that way, or do you think they'll be tweaking some here in the next few games? I think it probably stays the same. I think the
2: one guy that that I think could, if he continues to knock down shots and play well, that that might be able to to find a way in a starting lineup is Kavas. But I think right now, you know, these five probably are, are the best best that you have out there. I was really impressed with Wade Drago. I was. Too. I mean, I thought, you know, if anything, he would be, you know, the furthest behind in terms of being ready to go, and that certainly didn't look the case at all um, with, with him out there uh, this week. I was really impressed with with his ability and looked like he belonged out there, especially against a tough matchup with a
1: seven-footer. Good. I like the thickness of his body. He's got a great frame. He needs to be a power forward, mm-hmm. but this team kind of needs him to play the five a lot because they just don't have any other size – Uh, you you think about and you project down the road and you get a second recruiting class in for Fred Hoiberg, and if he can go get a five, and maybe it's Walker who's sitting out this year, the transfer from Tennessee, maybe he's the five, and Wade Drago then can play that power forward spot where I think he could be a pretty effective player in the Big Ten Conference moving forward. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we're just going to have to see what this roster looks
2: like next year. Um, You know, I think Derek – this is really frustrating for him to have to sit out, but Derek's a beast, and you know will be a huge help to this team. He and Delano both uh, are going to be big helps to this team. Might be Nebraska's two best players outside. of Did they of play KMA. in Italy? Those two? Uh, no, um, Delano did, but um, not Derek. Derek was s- still having dealing with some eligibility issues with the NCAA, so he he was really the only he was the only one that went to Italy that did that not didn't play. play. Shamil Stevenson did play. Banton played. Banton played, yes. You like Banton? Yes, yes. I like him a lot. He's long and lanky. He's a tremendous passer. Um, He's got good uh, ability to get to the rim. Yeah, there's a lot to like about him. Everything that you hear about his excitement from the coaches about
1: him is legit. And Banton and Walker have to sit this year because of the transfers. Banton was at Western Kentucky and Walker was at Tennessee. They're instantly going to make Nebraska better when they're ready to play because they're bigger, taller, longer guys than what Nebraska really has out there. So instantly, next year's team's going to be better. There are two seniors on this team, Cheatham and Kavass, who both will exit after this year, and hey, it's college basketball. There's going to be more turnover with that team. But just having Banton and Walker kind of on the shelf and ready to come in next year, they'll be comfortable with playing at Nebraska, working out here, see what the atmosphere is like. They're instantly going to be better in 12 months when those two kids are going to be able to play. So Southern Utah, 1 o'clock on Saturday, Fort Husker basketball at PBA. The women play Sunday on the road. They go to Missouri to take on the Missouri Tigers. And Husker Volleyball also on the road this weekend as well. All right, tomorrow night here on the program, we'll have our Big Ten Choices Treatment Center Big Ten picks. We'll go through the football schedule for Saturday. Includes a couple big matchups in the league. Penn State at Minnesota, Iowa at Wisconsin. Interesting matchup to me is Illinois at Michigan State. The uh, Illini only need one more win to become bowl eligible. Michigan State needs two. How does that matchup come? We'll have our picks on that tomorrow night. Ian Rapoport of the NFL Network will join us. And we'll talk to Nate Klaus, who's been pretty busy this week. Uh, A lot of offers going out the door for Husker football this week. And, Ben, some of them going to the junior college ranks. It looks like that's where the staff wants to kind of zero in to try to fill out some more members of this class.
2: I'm okay with it. Get the guys in here that can help this team win. If it's two-year players, you obviously wish they could develop for four-year players. But at this point, just just get them here and and help us on the field. I mean, I think we've seen already junior college players that have helped Nebraska and others that, that haven't. Um, But, you know, I I just hope that this continues to to trend in the right direction in terms of talent and these guys can get some big-time players in here.
1: And we mentioned Fred Hoiberg. He'll have a press conference tomorrow. We'll have clips of that for you tomorrow night on the program as well. Guests into the show. Dial us up on our Sports Sunday Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, and to all of you for listening tonight. Have a great night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.